Hi, I'm Scott Thompson, and welcome to this week's supersized episode of Connectivity. We have five segments for you today, and they go a little something like this. First off, we have Nicholas Bray and Andrew Brown talking about the EV Games Expo that just went on in Australia. Following that, Pedro Hernandez, Neil Ronahan, J.P. Corbin, and James Dawson all get together to talk about Super Mario Land 2 and whether or not it's worth your four bucks. Next, I'll be joined by Danny Bivens, who's going to talk about the Zelda concert in Japan, which he was fortunate enough to receive a ticket to. After that, Neil, J.P., and James get together once again to talk about Twinbee, the latest in the 3D Classic series on the 3DS. Finally, Neil's joined by Jared Rosenberg and Josh Max as they talk all things Nintendo from New York Comic Con. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is going to be really cool! Welcome to the Australian Gold Coast EB Games Expo Adventure. Um, I'm Nicholas, and I'm also with Andrew Brown. Hey guys, how are you going? Um, to start off with, we're just going to go through our general show thoughts and the games that we got to play, which is uh, mostly what we played at the Connection Tours. Okay, so Andrew, what are your initial thoughts on the Gold Coast experience? Sadly, there wasn't much of what we haven't already seen at the Nintendo Connection Tour that uh, just went around Australia in the last couple of weeks. But we did get to take another look at uh, Mario 3D Land and Mario Kart. Uh, Lots of people were swarming to see the new uh, Skyward Sword demo, which was uh, lots of fun to watch. Um, Had another go at Kirby Mass Attack and a a few of the other titles around. So um, hopefully we'll be able to give a little bit more of uh, insight into what was going on this time. Um, I'm just going to start off by saying the uh, talking about the organisation of the show itself. Um, when we when we first got there, the lines weren't really formed properly. There was like five different lines going to all different sorts of doors. It took us about five ten minutes to actually find someone to tell us where to go for media access. <laughs> you don't have to be polite. You can say it was very poorly organised. We had to push our way through. Uh, at least a three-person thick line of uh, people just trying to get to the main entrance just to pick up our media passes. Uh, you would have thought we'd have our own separate desk to go to, but uh, that's the way things went. They actually, um, because the the booth that was giving out the passes for VIP members and the media was just from the same the same location, so there was just one little booth for about, I don't know, 500 people or more. And... Um, it was yeah pretty hard. It wasn't until the second day um, that we realised that we actually also had an entrance for uh, media. The entrance, uh, we were supposed to get special access, uh, a red carpet entry. They said, but um, yeah, I, I don't even think that doorway was there yesterday. No, they they had that entrance closed off. So today, today there was an extra entrance for us to walk in. Yeah. So, which is always cool to flash your pass and just walk into the through the doors inside the showroom itself there was fairly fairly large with all um a lot of different booths and stuff nintendo's was kind of tucked away in a corner and and was more like a a smallish kind of square shaped thing yeah i'd have to say uh in the grand scheme of things nintendo seemed like a minority at the event uh 
it had among the smallest of the booths there. Was um, but um, that said, we, there was a lot of traffic going through, and and uh, it was one of the busier stalls at the place. One of the cool one of the cool things though was um, the in the center there was an EB Games like shop, and above it you could go up a set of stairs and up to a, an area with like pool table and seats yeah, and things. And there was a DJ there working a turntable, wasn't there? Uh, yeah, there was a there was a DJ. It just seemed like a, a hangout area where um, I think it was run by Red Bull. They were giving out cans there and uh, pool tables, just general places where you can sit and watch everyone below. Um, that was quite exciting, and and in the shop itself, uh, that was always booming with business. Uh, every time we went past, there was a, a queue for miles out the door. Yeah, the the first day the shop was had a massive line, uh, which we could again cut in front. But um, uh, the shop didn't have; it was selling mainly EB EB Games stuff. It was mostly uh, there was a uh, plushies of that EB Games rabbit. Uh, I don't know what its name is. Uh, weird thing. Um, there was a lot of pre-orders for 360 and PS3 games. Uh, there was one little section where you could choose a, a few of the upcoming Wii and 3DS games to pre-order. Uh, as far as merchandise goes, there was a, a couple of Mario plushies. There was a, they were selling those tins of breath mints and band aids and stuff that were all Mario related. There were a few uh, awesome exclusive T-shirts and hats. There was um, some baseball hats with like uh, golden stitching of the uh, Triforce and the Hylian Royal Crest on them. They sold out actually pretty quickly. They were gone by halfway through the first day. Yeah, I I bought a Mario hat for my girlfriend, and um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and uh, those hats were pretty. I think the only stock they had was what was shown on the the wall that they had them displayed, and they were gone within what two hours probably even less maybe yeah. and um there was a lot of nintendo plushies and bags and shirts and keychains and things like that but no actual really wii software or 3ds software or ds software available to actually buy no that was really interesting i would have thought they'd at least have a a bit of a backlog of games like the top sellers like donkey kong or or what have you they, they should have been at least some sort of games to actually buy at the venue so you can take them home and play they didn't seem to um, restock the store between between the days either, so it was just whatever was left over for the Sunday people. Yeah, they missed out, sadly enough. Um, I did actually get to ask one of the representatives there, and they said uh, they were going to try and get some new stock in for the next day, but uh, when we went in there this morning, it was uh, a completely different story. There was uh, the dregs of what was left over, I suppose. Maybe we should we'll go into talk about the actual some of the actual Nintendo games that we got to play with Mario 3D Land. What are your thoughts on that, Andrew? Um, well, I, like I said earlier, I got to play that at the Connection Tour demo a couple of weeks back, and uh, it didn't seem like anything new that I hadn't noticed before. But uh, uh, generally, it's uh, I really enjoyed what I what I played so far. Um, it does. Uh, like they advertised, it does play like a 2D Mario game just in 3D. Uh, the controls seem fairly fine. I think the more I play, the better I'll get at it. At first, it seemed a little bit like uh, Mario was running around on ice, a little bit hard to break and stuff, but uh, there was all the power-ups were great. There was uh, lots of hidden areas to find. Uh, even going out of your way just to get those star coins was uh, a bit of a challenge in some of the levels and found some in interesting things here and there. Um, really enjoyed that, and I'm looking forward to playing the full game. 
my first initial impressions of it were not as favourable, really. I don't know how well the 2D and 3D styles of Mario blending together are going to turn out in the end. After playing it more over the weekend, I did start to appreciate it more and found it to be more fun. Um, it doesn't seem like you can do the triple jump at all, though, in the game. No, they, they've got the long jump, and you seem to be able to do a sort of forward somersault jump, which I guess could be considered a new type of long jump. But uh, no, the triple jump is uh, is sadly absent. Um, Even though um, the, the, the new roll jump, I don't know how effective that's going to be. I guess you can dive into enemies to defeat them or something, but... Um, the standard long jump would be much better for actual platforming. The roll jump actually reminded me of in, I think it was first in Super Mario 3, whenever you got the uh, Invincibility Star, you would automatically do that jump as you run around. Uh, that that carried over to like su- New Super Mario Brothers and New Super Mario Wii and, and that, and uh, maybe it's uh, a sort of new attack jump where if you happen to be doing that, you can't get hit while you're in the air. There There might be some sort of hidden mechanic that we weren't able to discover behind that. Also, the raccoon tail uh, doesn't appear to be able to let you fly through the air in this game. It's very much restricted to hitting enemies with your tail at the moment. But Oh, and there was the floating mechanic as well. Um, oh, and the floating mechanic, yeah. The, um, with the size of the levels, though, I, I'm really not all that surprised. Uh, to be able to fly in those, you could pretty much take a run-up and get to the goal straight away yeah. in some of those. So yeah. It's not too much of a, a sacrifice, I don't think. I just hope there's um some actual, like maybe some actual special levels where he is flying through the air and maybe doing something or other. You have to like actually take massive, massive leaps with the flying to jump to different platforms or flying through the air collecting certain certain things or something. Yeah, we have seen a throwback to that with the uh, the pee wing blocks. Did you hear about that earlier? Um, if you die uh, in a, uh, I think it's five times in a level, you'll get an invincible white tanuki suit where you can run around and you won't get hurt by enemies, but you can still fall down cliffs and, and things like that. If you die another five times, uh, a little block will appear with a picture of the old P-Wing th- from Mario Brothers 3, and you hit that block and it automatically warps you to the end of the stage. So like the P-Wing in Mario Brothers 3, you can use it to essentially just skip a stage, which is an interesting thought. The actual um, platforming, like jumping mechanics in in this game, actually, um, they don't seem to benefit greatly from the 3D effect. I thought I thought it would actually be easier. I kind of bought into the whole thing that Miyamoto and Iwata were speaking about when they were first introducing the game. But sometimes it is difficult to make a pinpoint landing just based solely on looking at the the 3D stereoscopic 3D display. Like when I was facing the boss character. Um, Bopping its head became tricky when it was further back into the into the background of the diorama. Uh, did you play that level? Uh, yeah, uh, I generally didn't have much of a problem, but uh, I uh, probably because I was used to playing, say, Mario RPG and Mario 64, I'm sort of accustomed to using my shadow to judge exactly where I am, to know where I'm landing and where I'm jumping and uh, so forth. Um but uh, I did notice uh, once or twice I was going to jump on, a, say, a Goomba or a small platform and I would overshoot dramatically and go falling to my doom behind it. Uh, that's Again, that's all just a matter of practice, really. I think after a couple of days with the game in my hands, then there'll be no issues whatsoever with that. Yeah, I, I tend to agree as well. But um, 
so far the the demo wasn't super polished, but it is an old demo now, so the full game probably will be polished up quite a bit. Anyway, moving on, what do you want to talk about next? Um, well, we did get to have a, a considerable time with, uh, or at least I did with Mario Kart 7. I, I went back and played that a couple of times. Uh, I was experimenting because it, it seemed like not every single stage that has water in it will automatically have a, a hidden underwater tunnel. I was ma- able to actually get Lakitu to come fish me out in a couple of stages. Um... When I first played that a couple of weeks ago, my first impressions were uh, I was happy to see the coins return because I really liked the the top speed mechanic and getting up the 10 coins and uh, costing two coins whenever you have to get rescued or or whatever. Um, On that note, though, uh, I can see how the different uh, cart mechanics will come into play. Absolutely, I, I tried the with, with the different wheel sizes and the handling was completely different between the, the different carts. It didn't seem too much that the different characters made any weight difference while racing around, for, uh, surprisingly. Um, and I still haven't been able to confirm, but in the item roulette I did see a blue shell that did not have wings on it. So hopefully it's going back to the old uh, Mario 64 blue shell where it uh, follows along and hits everyone along the way. Because I, I can't stand the flying blue shell. I don't think anyone can, but they, they completely wrecked that mechanic. It, it does no help whatsoever if you're a, if you say you're coming eighth and you fire off a blue shell, you take out the top two, but that's not going to help you catch up. I'd rather hit everyone along the way and just be a complete asshole with that. As it, I'm pretty sure it has been at least mentioned that the blue shell has been kind of toned down a bit in this game, so oh, that's cool. um, a good sign. Um, with Mario Kart 7, though... The 3D effect I've, I found not to be as impressive as, say, Star Fox or Pilot Wings or even Zelda. It wasn't quite as pronounced. It seemed it wasn't flat, but it just seemed unimpressive and uh, not really there or, or there, really. I wouldn't say unimpressive. It certainly doesn't have quite as much depth as some, say, even Ocarina of Time or some of the earlier games, but you can sort of see, like, the... Uh, the depth around the character in the card itself, and there's a little bit of a draw distance, so it's uh, it does look quite nice. Uh, it's pronounced enough to uh, add to the game, but without completely making it uh, without completely making it mind-boggling. I would say um, too much 3D depth would uh, easily distract your eyes, and you'd be uh, looking at a coin flying at your face or something, and suddenly you'd crash or fall off a cliff. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. The um the game's very smooth though, so that looks very nice. Oh yeah, um, one thing that uh, I did really like, uh, I know it's been done in some of the earlier games, but whenever you use an item, you can actually see your character physically take it out and fling it forward. They throw it with their arm. With bananas, they actually look back and drop it on the track behind them by reaching out and actually placing it on the road. Uh, it's a minor detail, but it really does add to the realism. Of the game, yeah, I can't say I actually paid close enough attention to notice that. But now you say the bananas, I do kind of vaguely remember Mario actually, yeah, turning around and dropping the banana himself. So yeah. um, that's pretty cool. The we actually thought that uh, we were going to get a chance to do Mario Kart Seven multiplayer because they had a had a, a round table set up with four with four 3DSs around the table. Yeah, and, and they were all facing each other, and it made it look like it was a multiplayer setup. But uh, it was all just the individual demos. That was that was kind of a trick there. It was kind of lame. Yeah, I was like, oh, cool, Mario Kart multiplayer. Then I sat down, and, and for about the first track or so, I really did think I was playing all the um, other people and just smashing them because. 
it was, oh, it's way out in fun. They weren't touching me. Yeah. We did get to play a bit of uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland as well. Um, uh, multiplayer, actually, with me, Andrew, and two other guys. Yes. Yes, playing against Wispy Woods and using the uh, the power vacuum, sucking up all three other players and spitting them at the tree. That was awesome. Yeah, Andrew did suck me up a few times and <laughs> use me as a weapon. <laughs> Um, hitching a ride on some of the other characters when I felt lazy. Yeah, that was good. Um, of all the connection to a game that I played uh, back when I did a demo at Nintendo Australia, that was probably the most fun, especially in, in multiplayer mode where anything can happen. Uh, there are times when something that one of the characters does completely uh, throws everyone else off their tracks. Say, uh, it looks like there's a secret track over to the right, but someone enters a doorway and sucks everyone else in with them. Uh, it could get min- uh, it could get minutely and uh, annoying, I would say. But um, in the throes of things and uh, playing it as, uh, as a party game, it really does seem very fun. And uh, I'd say it's easily on par with uh, New Super Mario Brothers Wii. I think it might actually be better than New Super Mario Brothers Wii. I didn't fully enjoy the multiplayer in uh, Mario because of the. Uh... The Mario level design's more unforgiving in with uh, pits and things, so it was much easier to accidentally hit someone else off. Or that's, Kirby's much more forgiving in his level design. That's true, and there did seem to be a bit of a steep learning curve. Like in some of the later levels, playing with friends at home, I I got to a point where they were dying so many times that I would just pick them up and carry them through the level. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that made things so much more difficult if everyone fell into the lava at the same time, for example. Or everyone would just go, oh, stay in the bubble, stay in the bubble. Yeah, and then you have to try your best to avoid actually touching the bubble because they they're not ready to play yet, and, oh, that makes things chaotic. Um, but, yeah, with Kirby, um, I hadn't really been paying too much attention to it in, in the media and stuff. I was just like, oh, it's another another Kirby game. It looks pretty much the same as every other Kirby game. And I'd just been playing through um, Epic Yarn as well, so... Um, I wasn't sure if I was ready for another Kirby game, but if I can get four players together or three other players together, I think uh, playing it in multiplayer is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it does look like it's taken the best elements from all the previous Kirby Kirby games, um, uh, especially Kirby 64. There was a, a lot of uh, gameplay elements from there. A lot of the attacks have uh, alternate kind of um, functions. There's not just one attack. It's like going back to like Super... Superstar, where you can different attacks have maybe a couple of different um, uses. Absolutely. Did you actually see the pause menu? Uh, no, I didn't see the pause menu. Okay, you can actually bring up a, an attack list, and it's at least five or six pages long of all the different attacks. Uh, when you get a different power, there's at least two different ways to use each of, uh, say, the sword or the beam attack. Uh, did you actually see any of the um, the superpowered items? For example, like uh, Sword Kirby, you can now pick up a gigantic sword, and it oh, yeah, I did see the sword. Yeah, covers half of the screen. He with one swing, he cuts through the ground and makes gigantic holes that the other players can fall into. I was actually I was watching another group play for a bit, and um, one of the Kirby had the giant sword, and everyone else was just following quietly behind him, and every few steps, Kirby would just swing it and um, take out all the enemies on the screen, pretty much, and they just they just did that to. Uh, get past the entire level <laughs> yeah that was um uh i have to say that's one of the highlights when that happens or when one of the major power-ups appears everyone's rushing to get to that point on the screen because they all want that particular power-up it's it's incredible 
Um, one of the um, f- two games that weren't at the Connection Tour but were at the uh, this EV Expo were uh, Professor Layton and uh, Tetris, which is uh, Tetris Access in America, but just plain old Tetris uh, here. Yeah, we were a little bit confused about that because the logo on the demo actually said Tetris Online and we were confused for a little while as to what the game is actually called in Australia, but uh, it just seems to be Tetris not even Tetris 3DS, but just Tetris. They're going off nostalgia for the Game Boy original. <laughs> Tetris on the 3DS is, well, Tetris. You can go see Zach's review for it. I think it's Zach. Go see the review on the site. Um, the other one we did get to have a bit of a look at was uh, Professor Layton when we actually recorded the entire intro movie. So that should hopefully be on the site in the next few days. Uh, Andrew got to play the first few puzzles, though, so... Yay, Leighton. Yep, I'm a veteran of the series. I've played through the first three so far. I'm greatly looking forward to the 3DS one, uh, when, if and when that eventually comes around in English. But um, for those of you who don't know, this Leighton is actually... Uh, it's the fourth game in the series, but chronologically it's actually the first. It goes uh, before the other three and sh- tells the story of how Leighton first like, met Luke and their first adventure together. It also has some of the characters from the uh, Professor Layton movie that uh, was recently released in America, about to come out. Oh, it's out in Europe. Yeah, it's been out for quite a while in Europe. Um, But yeah, from what I played, um, it seemed much like the same sort of thing as the last few games, but that's by no means a bad thing. Uh, New uh, areas to explore, new characters, new storyline, and of course new puzzles. Um, really making major design changes to a formula that works so well would just be... uh, It cuts away some of the detrimental aspects to the game. Um, What you'd expect to be in Leighton is is there. There uh, I solved the first puzzle fairly quickly. I got through to the second puzzle, and uh, because of all the noise and distraction and having to lean forward to the tiny screen, I I didn't really get a chance to to properly figure out the second puzzle, and... uh, Someone was crowding me from behind, so I just uh, left it at that. But um, I did get a good 10, 15 minutes with the game. Uh, I found a few hint coins, and uh, uh, if you've played the previous games, by all means, you're definitely going to want to pl- uh, play this one as well. I haven't played any of the Latin games, but the uh, the intro movie, like the opening cutscenes, went for about 10 minutes almost, Easily. I think. Easily almost 10 minutes. Well, I stopped recording after about 7, but um, there was a lot of... Uh, opening movie cutscene stuff yeah, see this is why you need to get into the series um I'll, I'll mail i'll lend you the games you can mail them back to me when you're done okay <laughs> um yeah going also back to that uh comment that andrew made about being crowded uh the 3ds like and skyward sword part of the nintendo booth was really small and usually had probably i don't know close to 30 people or more in at once, and that's a very small space to crowd that many people into. At any given time, there was the the main part of the Nintendo booth was crowded enough, but then even just trying to get into where the, all the uh, the 3DSs were, which uh, unfortunately was right next to the Skyward Sword uh, demos, all four or five that they had there, and uh, it was chaotic. Um, it, it just goes to show how popular the the Wii still is in Australia, though. But um, yeah, uh, we very rarely got any chance to even get near any of the the demo machines that were actually in that segment. Well, the only the only ones that um, 
were there that we hadn't played were probably Kirby Mass Attack and um, Layton. I really only got five minutes out of Mass Attack and then um, some little kid was kicking me in the shin, so I decided to run away at that point. (laughs) Um, They also had some virtual console games in the Nintendo booth to play. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, we saw um, all the major Zelda games like Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Link to the Past, the Zelda 1. And they also had stuff like um, Mario Brothers 3, um, Mario Kart 64. We played around a couple of rounds of Mario Kart 64. Yes, and I caned you. <laughs> oh, I beat you on the DS one the other night. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, um, it was good to see, especially since most of the, the new games seem to be taking major uh, uh, major elements from the previous games or the best games in the series lineup up until now. Uh, like Mario 3D Land, is, as we all know, is... Uh, major uh, throwback to Mario Brothers 3, it was nice to get a chance to actually just take one more look at those games so you can compare the two directly. While we were waiting for um, Mario Kart 64, we noticed that the the players in front of us were both using um, Uh, using Yoshi Yoshi and and Toad, which uh, readers will probably know that they were the uh, top two on the Japanese um, Mario, was it Mario Kart, favourite Mario Kart characters? Paul? That was my article begrudgingly the two most annoying characters in Mario Kart. <laughs> Nobody wanted to play as Bowser. That wasn't fair. Nobody likes Bowser. Except for me. <laughs> um, okay. Um, any other games that we should talk about? Um, surprisingly, we actually went to a few of the other developer... Uh, surprisingly, we actually went to a few of the other developer stalls and there weren't really all that many other Nintendo games on show. Uh, Sega's stall was mainly uh, the Mario and Sonic Olympic Winter Games, uh, the the London one, was it? Yeah, the London Olympics. That was we played a couple of games on that, and uh, that was the mini games were pretty fun. But um, I don't know how they don't, they weren't really demoing the um, the actual Olympic events. They were kind of demoing the party side of it more. Yeah. Um, rather than making it more realistic like the the previous games in the series, it just seems to be all uh, Mario and Sonic-themed chaos in each of the levels. I mean, the, there was a, an equestrian race where you're riding on a horse uh, trying to carry along a cart of eggs, and then out of nowhere a gigantic chain chomp appears and starts chasing you along the track, uh, eating bridges and stuff behind you as you go. It... Um, it, I have to say the fantasy aspect to it does make it a lot more fun than just the standard Olympic Games. I think the, the standard Olympic Games section is still going to be there, though. I'm pretty, I think, because the, the other games in the series actually did have crazy mini-games as well. well that's true. And um, there was the soccer segment. Uh, that seems pretty standard. Yeah, it was, it was pretty basic, though. He had one, one to pass, one to shoot, and then I think the, the character that you were controlling ended up just being the one closest to the ball, so you couldn't even switch who you were actually controlling at the time. Yeah, that's right. Um, as far as the game goes, it, it seemed like a standard Wii Waggle type stuff. Uh, it seemed very easy to cheat. Like, a lot of the games just uh, quickly shake the Wii remote as fast as you can. Uh, with the equestrian, uh, there were parts where it said uh, everyone turned to the left or to the right or, or whatever, it didn't seem to matter which way you were turning or what you were doing. It would either just say, yes, you've passed or failed, or it seemed completely randomised. Uh... I'm pretty sure I didn't even um, accept one of the jump commands on some of the equestrian ones, and it did it anyway. So yeah. maybe it's just like the ma- if the majority do it, it pulls the fourth player along. <laughs> that said, we didn't have any of the eggs in the cart at the end, so maybe we were doing it wrong. 
Well, we'll blame the little kid that was with us. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> um, which uh, Activision was the other one that had a, a Nintendo Wii, was it? Yeah, um, close to when we were uh, leaving, I decided to go have a look at the uh, Activision booth and check out um, the th- 360 version of GoldenEye 007 Reloaded, uh, which looked a little bit better than the Wii one, but not enough to justify buying it again probably yeah ultimately the same sort of level mechanics the same sort of things it really just seemed like a graphical overhaul it's just the, the same game but anyway i did notice that they had um, um spyro's skylanders spyro yeah skylanders game is that the one with the gritty art style uh look they look pretty colorful but um okay i just have friends who are into spyro and they're they really object to the new art in one of the latest games, it might have been this one. He yeah, he he looks pretty ugly in this one. Yeah. Um, the last reboot that they did was pretty good. It had like Elijah Wood as the voice cast in the voice cast and all these high high profile actors and stuff. High profile actors. Yeah, like Frodo and. <laughs> okay, um, I was surprised to see that. Um, say, for example, they had the um, Ubisoft had the Rayman. Ah, yes, they had uh, Rayman Origins, uh, but there was no Wii version available to play. I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty certain that it's coming out on the Wii, but um, they only had a 360 set up to play it. Yeah, you'd think uh, uh, many of the developers who had some of the multi-platform games, they usually just had the 360 versions, which is very surprising. You'd think you'd want to compare with the different controls or the different graphics just to see which one would be the one you would buy, especially if you own the multiple consoles, of course. Raymond Origins looked really nice on the 360, though. But um, another interesting thing was uh, Sega had new demos of Sonic Generations to play. They had the Green Hill Zone and the City Escape Zone, both in the old Sonic style and the new Sonic style. But uh, they didn't seem to want to have the 3DS version of Sonic Generations to, to show people. Yeah, I was expecting that, too. I mean, this is uh, this is another major turning point for Sonic, and... Uh, one would say the best Sonic game in the last couple of years, uh, considering the the pretty crappy track record he's been through. It's starting to to look like it's going to be fairly solid. Um, coming off colours, it might be pretty good. But um, a lot of people, I was there a couple of times to play both versions of the the demo, and the people lining up were really really into the new Sonic, I guess. But... Um, yeah, uh, one thing I was really surprised at seeing, uh, uh, we debated mentioning this at all, but um, out of all the developers that uh, showed up, surprisingly Capcom were a no-show at the event, and I really wanted to ask them questions, say, uh, if there was any progress on the, say, the Ace Attorney versus Professor Layton game, or any of the other games that were coming out uh, in the foreseeable future. They've, they've released... Uh, info about several of them but there's no way to demo them or I'll ask about them yeah speaking of um games that aren't going to be coming out um you asked the Bandai Namco people about the um One Piece game was it One Piece um the previous One Piece game that was to come out on the DS uh I think it's One Piece Gigant Battle for the DS uh, it was uh, just uh, recently released in UK and then promptly taken off shelves again for some unknown reason. But um, even though it has been uh, given a PAL release, unfortunately uh, they don't think, think it would sell uh, enough copies to be able to justify a release down in, in Australia here. So sorry to all you uh, 
One Piece uh, fans in Australia, but I do have additional bad news as well as uh, the 3DS version, which has also been confirmed for a PAL release in uh, Europe. Uh, One Piece Unlimited Cruise uh, SP for the 3DS is also not going to be released down under. Uh, I did question the uh, the show floor manager at the Bandai Namco stall, and uh, he was actually showcasing the new uh, Dragon Ball game for 360 Dragon Ball Z, but um, unfortunately, One Piece is a considerably niche title in their in their opinion, which is understandable. But um, they just seem to think that uh, it's not uh, unless it's actually by a an official Nintendo license or a very big name brand, uh, they're really not going to be uh, bothering with a game like that. It's kind of ironic because um, One Piece is probably the biggest thing in uh, anime in Japan and everywhere else at the moment. Absolutely. But um, like comparing it to Dragon Ball, which is on kind of on the downward spiral now, like you think One Piece might be a bit more of a sure bet in the end. Well, um, I've followed One Piece for a while, um, even though Dragon Ball's ended for 10 years now, but uh, One Piece is officially the highest-selling manga and anime series in history, if you didn't know that. But um, One Piece is pretty popular, yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. One Piece is actually uh, more popular in Australia at the moment than it is in the States for for whatever reason. You'd think they would uh, make the effort to bring the games across, but uh, uh, who knows... Um, also, we forgot to mention with the uh, Professor Layton, uh, we are getting the London Life. Um, the Nintendo rep um, at the Nintendo store uh, told us that they're looking, they're going to be localizing the American uh, release rather than the European release, which is what usually happens here. Yeah, I remember Jamie, uh, Nintendo's PR manager down here, actually said it will be an Australian version. So. Uh, one of my big questions on my mind is whether or not uh, the voice will be the Australian or European Luke, who actually sounds considerably different to the voice of Luke in the uh, US titles. Uh, I assume that it's going to be the same because it is based off the American localization. Yeah, whether it's just a straight localization or if it's a redubbing completely. I mean, the game is still coming out in Europe. It's just they're, they're cutting out the that major extra RPG. And, and they spell Spectre differently. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, considering the length of the, the London Life Extra, you would you really would expect them to put it into the game. I, I We have no idea why they chose to cut it. Um, and really, that sadly makes the, the European version of the game really not worth considering in comparison. Unless you speak German or Italian or French only. <laughs> Well, that's true. I'm, I'm sure the Australian version will have those options as well. So they... uh, I doubt it because there's going to be straight straight American copy oh, pretty that's much. True. That's true. Uh, who knows? Maybe they'll do a, a small retinkering once it gets down to Australia down here. But, um, yeah, that's that's a good point. The reason why, also why London Life could be cut from the European one is because of the, the lengthy translation that it will take to... To, to localize that ver- that piece of it uh, for all for, for the multiple languages French and Spanish and German uh, we usually get Italian as well don't we um, I'm not sure I never really pay attention to all the other <laughs> languages but uh, it's it's about five um, okay we also did get to ask um, our Nintendo rep a couple of other questions just when we were talking to him um, we questioned why Mario and Zelda. Uh, launching here on the exact same day as is the case in Europe 
But um, he has no idea. He thought maybe that they just had them ready to go, so decided to just put him out at the same time. It's a conspiracy. Nintendo just want everyone down here to go broke. <laughs> well, they charge, what, double the price anyway? <laughs> probably. Oh, that's true. They do, yeah. Um, Mario Kart 7 is probably very likely to come out in Australia early December because uh, Jamie said that they, they need to get it out earlier in December to get people to buy it as a Christmas gift. Yeah, that's the key time to, to be putting games out onto the market. So. so I would say it'll be released somewhere in between the 1st and the 10th of December. Yeah. Um, that's At least that gives us something to look forward to as uh, in, on the upcoming Christmas period, uh, of course. Um, only a couple of weeks after Mario 3D Land and Skyward Sword as well, so that sh- at least Nintendo is picking up by the end of the year. Just all at once. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, okay, finishing up, uh, we got to check out about another couple of things at the show. Uh, one was a, a special um, gamepad room, which was kind of, I don't know how special it really was, but it had free popcorn and drinks to get if you were lucky enough to have a VIP entry. Oh, yes. We, we snuck in with our media passes once or twice, uh, if only to stock up on drink. But, um, yeah, it was uh, it was a nice thing. They had a few games set up. So I think there was Mario Kart and Donkey Kong and a couple of multiplayer things uh, where you could just lounge around on beanbags and stuff and just play. It seemed, it seemed to be um, one, one, or, one or two games for, like, each console. So there was, like, a 360 or Wii and a PS3 set up, I think. Yeah, I thought there were two Wiis, but there, were, there was at least one 360 and one PS3. Okay, well, there might have been two Wiis. Yeah. They also had a pinball machine and a couple of old arcade games in the corner. Yep, we'll be putting, post, uh, we'll be putting photos of those up soon. And um, merchandise. we I bought... Well, like I said, I bought uh, my girlfriend a Mario hat, and I also bought the NES belt buckle, which was cool. You can be just like Captain N. I am Captain N. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much all the cool things that we saw. Um, we were planning on sticking around for the cosplay, but then in the end we just decided really not to. Um, yeah, I actually went down and checked out uh, all the people registering for the cosplay competition. Uh, as opposed to other events like this with gaming-related stuff around the country, there really wasn't all that much cosplay, actually, at the show. And of those that were there, there was hardly anything Nintendo-related anyway. So there was, there was a couple of good Nintendo ones. Yeah, I snapped photos of everything that I could that was uh, even vaguely Nintendo-related that I, I could get my hands on, but um, uh, I actually plan on running a feature on that in the next couple of days, just uh, cosplay around Australia. Especially considering I actually did take some photos at uh, Manifest down in Melbourne a couple of months back, and I haven't had a chance to uh, share those photos yet, so I'll throw everything together soon. Cool. And um, tonight we actually have a... We gained access to the after-party thing. Yes, we got official uh, entry passes to the EB Games Expo official after-party. Which they promised uh, free game giveaways and... um, Video game live performances uh, of your favorite Nintendo characters. That by, sounds... by your favorite characters, we're hoping it's going to be something like the uh, Sonic the Hedgehog one from E3. <laughs> um, I'm I'm stealing my courage for this. I have no idea what to expect, but uh, hopefully it'll be something entertaining, and we'll see if we can uh, get a few more stories out of it for you guys. We're going to try and get free games, though. That's the main thing. Of course, of course. 
Um, yeah, and if that fails, we'll go to uh, dinner at Mario's, which is a Mario, which is a restaurant, an Italian restaurant called Mario's here. Yep. Well, uh, if we actually go there, I'm going to ask uh, where Mario is, see if we can get a photo with him. Should be awesome. Yeah. Okay, that'll probably wrap this up. Um, hope you guys found this somewhat informative, and I'll uh, see you later. Mario Land 2 um, is the second in the, the Land series, which I guess I guess there were technically three of them. And this is also the introduction of Wario. And this was actually my first video game that I guess was technically wholly my own. I got it when I got my Game Boy in like 1992 or something like that. And I guess with the other, pe- the other three people that I have with me, uh, what were your first experiences with Super Mario Land 2? Um, this is James. Uh, it was actually my first Game Boy Advance, I mean, not Game Boy Advance, but Game Boy game that I ever got. And really, the first game I ever owned. So, Yeah, you, you and me both, man. I mean, I, I really, I grew up loving this game. And, you know, the, the colorful world, Wario's a villain. It was a good game. How about uh, JP? This is actually the first time I've ever really played it. I mean, I, I didn't... I didn't get a Game Boy until late. I think I got it around the time Pokemon came out, and I didn't do much with the back catalog. So this, this is really my first time playing yeah. it. I mean, it, it is kind of weird, just as a, as a quick tangent, just how it seemed like there were two lives of the Game Boy. There was, you know, the early days with, you know, your Super Mario Land, Super Mario Land 2, Tetris, and then there's, like, the second wave of people that came in with Pokemon. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. So Pedro... How about you with Super Mario Land 2? Well, it was also my first Game Boy game too, and the first of uh, my first ever Game Boy, and it was really awesome. I have a really a funny story with it. Uh, I remember the reason that I wanted to get the Game Boy and the Super Mario Land 2 was because at school, someone brought uh, the Game Boy with the game, and I really wanted to check it out, but they wouldn't let me. They would say, no, we don't <laughs> want you to play it. So... That, that Christmas, I said, Mom, I want a Game Boy and Super Mario Land 2. Because everybody has it, and I don't have it. <laughs> that was yeah. the whole story for it. I mean, the kind of weird thing with going back to this game is that I really... I, I played the crap out of this game when I was a kid. This was... I mean, until I got Donkey Kong 94 a couple years later, it was my premier Game Boy game. Um, and it's probably been, before getting it on a virtual console, about... 10 to 15 years since I last played it because I, I played basically when Pokemon came out then I kind of stopped playing Super Mario Land 2 but replaying it it I don't think it held up as well as I thought it did because it just seemed so piss easy and I mean all, all like the enemies and stuff like I, I really I really love the quirk in all the levels there's the space level there's the three little pigs boss there's uh you know all like the, the weird ant characters that you fight and there's that Mario Mario world 
and and that's all really cool but it's just like outside of that charm i i didn't find much about it that was that exciting that's kind of odd because this is my first time playing it so i don't have any kind of idea of it and i'm enjoying it i don't i mean it's it's interesting to hear you say that it doesn't hold up for you because it holds up to me and i've never played it before i mean yeah it's easy oh, how about J- it's fun yeah, I mean, I, I like I, I I beat it rather quickly, and I enjoyed my time with it. But just the whole time, it it didn't it didn't seem as classic as I remembered it in my head. Uh, James and Pedro, did you guys have that problem at all? Um, I did. Well, not well, not really for me. But I have to kind of agree with you in that the game is kind of like Mario, but at the same time it isn't. So maybe some of the charm is lost on some people. And the. And the one thing that I noticed, uh, we'll get the uh, well uh, before I go into that, James. Uh, how about you? How did you feel about it? I still think of it as my favorite Mario title. Um, wow. The last. I feel like I'm in the minority here. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well, well. I know most of the levels are really easy, but the last level is really hard, or at least it was. I for love me. that last level, like the last, the, like the Wario Castle level. Yeah. That's that's an excellent level. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. I made sure I didn't use any save states to get through it. I, I just it took me quite a few times. Yeah, I mean that was the one that as a kid I used to play all the time. So actually going through it this time was a lot easier because, like, even though it's been so long since I played it, that's that's definitely a level that I I remember very vividly from my childhood. But the one thing that I did notice with this game, and I guess it's kind of the proximity that I was playing this with Super Mario Land, is that. Like, I guess when I was younger, from what I knew about Super Mario Land, was that it was a very different game, and that this game was more like traditional Mario, but I don't really think that's the case. I, I assume it's the same teams that worked on Super Mario Land 1 and Super Mario Land 2, but there's a lot more similarities into how the games are. You know, they're kind of weird worlds that are different than, like, the weird world that it presents that's different than regular Mario. And even just some of the mechanics, even though you're playing with a bigger sprite, it just seems to control very similarly to Super Mario Land, which kind of surprised me. And that's me true, but I think Super Mario Land 2 is still definitely more of a Mario game than Super Mario Land 1. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, far and away, I would say it's a better game and more of a Mario game, but it's, like, the I guess the roots. It, 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 the roots oh, yeah, are it definitely Mario has a lot Land. similar with Super Mario Land. You have a lot of power-ups that only show up in this game. You have... You know, it's, it's definitely not like a regular Mario game. It's just more like a Mario game than the first one. Yeah, I believe it's also the first one to have the spin jump. Yeah, I noticed that. I didn't even do it intentionally, but I noticed it. Or maybe, or maybe it was, was Mario. No, I think Super Mario World had it. Yeah, that was in World. My bad. Yeah, yeah that was in World. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was. Yeah, and this was a 92 release, I believe. So it would have been like a year or so after World. But I mean, and the music in this game is is lovely. I believe it's another hip Tanaka piece, and he's he's quite simply the man when it comes to Nintendo music. He also has the famous Tanaka uh, song. Oh yeah, directly? it does. It does, doesn't it? He has that on the game over screen. Just leave it there for two minutes and thirty seconds, it will appear. <laughs> And actually, I, I want to strike that for the record. I'm not sure if this is Hip Tanaka who does the music for this, so uh, sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, it's it's late around my parts, but yeah, Super Mario Land 2. Uh, I don't think it holds up as well, but I might be wrong, and it's definitely worth Sorry. checking out. I can I can say that much. It's a controversial statement that people who are familiar with my work on the site may not be surprised by. Now that I've played Super Mario Land and Super Mario Land 2. 
I can safely say that Super Mario World is my least favorite Mario game. <laughs> no surprise there, no surprise. Yeah. But, um, I guess the one thing is that uh, we also got, a, I believe, an OFLC rating for Super Mario Land 3, a.k.a. Wario Land. And I am very excited for that because I have never played that. Now, is that like, is Super Mario Land 3 Super Mario Land in the same sense that Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island is Super Mario World? Like, it's a very different game. Yes. I believe it's actually Wario Land Super Mario Land 3. Exactly. It stars Wario. The reason it has the Super Mario Land 3 moniker is because it kind of starts at the beginning of Super Mario, Mario Land 2 when Wario has been defeated and he tries to yeah. get back at Mario, but it's pretty much its own identity, its own yeah. entity. Spo- spoiler alert, JP, Wario gets defeated. See, you ruined it for me. Now I don't even know if I want to finish it. <laughs> um... But yeah, I mean, I, I, I know of, of Wario Land and how it is a different game. And also, apparently, Super Mario Land 2, from seeing what people have written about it now that it's come to Virtual Console, it's like a Wario Land version of a Mario game. So. I mean, it's different. Yeah. And I like that. I like that it's different. You know, it's one of the criticisms you can yeah. level with the Mario series is a lot of the time, like, especially recently with New Super Mario Brothers, is they don't take chances enough. And this is a very different type of game, and I like that. That's what they did on Game Boy. I mean, you look at Link's Awakening. You look at you look at a lot of the portable games, and they took chances. And uh, Super Mario Land Two, six golden coins, is available for four dollars on the eShop. And I think, despite my reservations, go and get it right now if you have a 3DS. That is. to uh, Connectivity here. Uh, I've got uh, Danny Bivens on the line, and uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, recent Zelda uh, concert that just took place in Japan. Yes, we are. Uh, <laughs> Danny, how you doing today? I'm doing just fine, Scott. How you doing? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. We were just talking about how we're both sitting in our pajamas. Um, <laughs> still a little early here in the States and uh, very late out in Japan. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't have it any other way. No, no, it's very comfortable. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so Danny, you just went, I guess now it's been a little over a week, or when, when was the concert Yeah, the, exactly? con- the concert was on the 10th, October 10th, and it was in Tokyo, and um, yeah, yeah, I guess I could just, you know, kind of give you a brief rundown of the event. Um, so there were actually two concerts held, uh, pretty much like kind of back-to-back. Uh, one was held in the afternoon, starting, I believe, around like 230 or so, and the, the, the concerts roughly last about two hours or so, so I mean, that was probably finished somewhere around like, you know, uh, you know 4.30, 5 o'clock, something like that, and, um, but the one I went to, it started at 6.30 at night, and, you know, so I, I made made it a point to get there pretty early, and um, I, 
me and I, I went with a friend, and we got there about an hour early to the concert hall. And we were kind of standing around outside, and actually for being an hour early, and, you know, we had assigned seats and stuff, too, mm-hmm. so we weren't fighting, you know, for uh, better places or anything like that. Right. But, but there were actually quite a few people there, and the awesome thing, as you can imagine, because the way that you had to get these tickets, you had to, you know, buy Ocarina of Time, register it online, hope to God that you somehow get chosen in this lottery to have a chance to buy these tickets. Oh, wow, see, I, I wasn't even aware of that. I know, I think in, this, in the concerts here, I think it's, you know, obviously you just buy them online, it's first come, first serve. I was oh. going to ask you how it, went, uh, yeah, how it went there. Yeah, they had, like, certain deadlines throughout the summer. It's like, you know, first you have to register by, I think it was, like, late July or something, and then they said they'd send you a notification in mid-August to see if you were eligible to buy the ticket. And you can, uh, at, with the one here, at least in Japan, you could have uh, reserved from, like, one to four tickets, I just went ahead and reserved two, and I, I don't, I'm not exactly sure how they did it. I mean, yeah, obviously there was somehow, you know, some kind of a random picking of it or something like that, but I don't know if it, they gave precedence to people who chose one ticket or, you know, or if, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if people who chose right. four, like, all of a sudden later on in the drawing couldn't do it because they couldn't all sit together or, you know, or something like that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I would think even three would probably be kind of an odd uh, an odd number to choose because yeah. I, I can't imagine too many people would just come with one person, you yeah. know, just get one ticket. Yeah, exactly. And um, our other uh, Japan correspondent, Matt Walker, he had, you know, registered and stuff like that too, but he didn't get a chance to go. So, I mean, it, this is this is kind of like an exclusive thing. I didn't really realize You're right. How exclusive it was until somehow I won and he didn't, so I felt really awesome about that. Maybe have you have you seen any figure on like the amount of people who did register? I don't even know if they would release that. But... I'm not sure. I, I I I'm not even sure how many copies it sold here. I think something like three hundred thousand copies or something like that. And okay. So I was trying to think to myself like how many people would have first of all you know out of the let's say three hundred thousand here in Japan, first of all how many people are going to register? And then right. after that, how many people are even going to try to get, you know, basically enter all their information to go to this concert? And then yeah. you have to take, take consideration, too, how many seats are at the concert hall and, like, all of that. So, I mean, there's a very, very small percentage of these people that could even have a chance to go. Uh, so Exactly, yeah. And that, that was actually something I was going to ask, too, is uh, how big did you think the venue was? I mean, do you have any idea how much it's seated? I mean, I'd imagine it was a big, a it, big place. It was so. very, very big. It was called the Tokyo Philharmonic Triphony Hall is what it was called. It's a very, very large hall. Um, I'm not quite sure about how many seats are there. I mean, I think well over 10,000. Oh, wow. Okay. I think. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, there there are quite a few people. I didn't even – well, I I got, like, really good seats, like 13th row on the the ground floor pretty close to the stage. Oh, wow. uh, That's actually pretty good. (laughs) It was amazing because, well, so when you chose the tickets, too – you can choose like either the S ticket or the A ticket, and I was looking at the description, and it really didn't. I don't know. It was kind of hard to understand, but basically, one was just more expensive than the other. The S was like three thousand yen, and then the A was like fifteen hundred. But I was just thinking, man, I want to have the absolute best seat that I could possibly get. So, oh yeah, I you you could put like your choices like or something like that for A or S or whatnot. I made sure to put S on it and stuff, but uh. 
Not bad. Uh, so I didn't even think about that. So yeah, so you, first of all, you had to register with Ocarina of Time just yes. to get the opportunity to buy the tickets. <laughs> yes. And, then, <laughs> and yeah. then you still had to buy the tickets. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And in Japan, too, what I did to buy my tickets, you could either, uh, you could purchase them from one of several convenience stores in Japan. And it's kind of like a normal thing you can do here. You can also even like pay bills and stuff like that at convenience stores. And uh, it was, yeah, so like a couple days before the deadline to buy the tickets, because there was like a certain window for that, too. I just went to 7-Eleven, and I was like, hey, here's my online code, and they just gave me the ticket there. So no, Not bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so what was it like once you uh, actually got there? And then what, was it sort of like a black tie affair? I mean, did you dress up, or was it – I mean, I, what, what was even the crowd – what did the crowd look like? In the description, they just said – as long as you're not cosplaying, you're going to be okay. Uh, it, <laughs> so I mean, there weren't any, but there wasn't anybody dressed up as Link or Princess Zelda or Tingle or anything, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Tingle would have been good. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it was pretty casual. You didn't have to dress up or anything like that. I just wore, you know, jeans, and I, yeah, a sports coat or something, and um, okay. you know, it wasn't anything too special. But uh, yeah, like I said, they they strictly prohibited inside of the hall once you got like past the. Uh, after giving your ticket, you were strictly prohibited for taking pictures, recording, um, stuff like that. Uh, I don't think that stopped too many people because it wasn't like really strictly enforced. But right. you know, it's in, with a big crowd of ten thousand plus people and you know a handful of people watching. How can you enforce that anyway? Exactly. But um, you know, like, you know, like I said earlier, there were two concerts that were held on that day. It was actually a national holiday in Japan too, so you know there uh, there were some kids there, not too many, no babies. Thank God, that would be <laughs> weird. But um, you know, it ran for about two hours. They played fourteen different pieces, and um, they had like a break in the middle. And uh, yeah, if if you'd like, I could give you like a breakdown of like all of the different tracks that they played. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna ask if if you've got it handy. Yeah, I'd love to know. Yes, I do. So first off, they started off with the Hyrule Castle theme. And second, they had Princess Zelda's theme. Then after that, they had a Wind Waker medley. Um, just like a, they had like the opening theme, and then just all sorts of different tracks from you know the game. Uh, after that, they had an Ocarina of Time medley. It's you know kind of like the same type of thing, just different pieces from Ocarina of Time. And uh, then after that, they had a boss battle medley. So they had just you know a bunch of different uh, boss battle music. A lot of it from Ocarina of Time. Um, you know, playing it and stuff like that, and you could recognize the stuff. It's you know, it's pretty fun. And um, after that, they played uh, Kakariko Village from Twilight Princess. And then after that, they had what they called a uh, 25th anniversary like medley, just of all sorts of different tracks from the whole series. And I think there was some spirit track stuff in there, and um, you know, some of the other uh, Phantom Hourglass stuff too. Uh, just a wide assortment of stuff. And then um, after that, they had a 10-minute break. And then when they came back, they had Ganondorf's theme. Um, and then, like, another one where it's just another various tracks from the series. Uh, then after that, the uh, Gerudo Valley theme. And then Hyrule Field from Ocarina of Time. And then the Great Fairy theme. Then the Twilight Princess medley, again, just, you know, a lot of different things from Twilight Princess. And then they ended it with Legend of Zelda, the main menu theme. Uh, at first, I was, you know, when I saw it on the, on the uh, program, I was thinking, oh, man, that's going to be lame yeah <laughs> but it actually you know with with it being live and you know with elite live instruments and stuff like that they kind of spiced it up a little bit so it was, okay. it was really good and um 
And then as a bonus segment before the end of the concert, they actually played a piece from Skyward Sword, which was awesome. Nice. I was gonna I was gonna ask if they did anything with that. I would think they would. Yeah, um, exa- especially with it coming out and stuff. And, uh, right. So yeah. So I mean, the music was just outstanding and beautiful and amazing. Just it, my God, <laughs> you know, it, it was just great. And for me, what really topped off the night, uh, I think, somewhere in between the first set of songs. Um, Sugar Miyamoto was in the house, and he came out, and he was kind of just talking about Zelda, the Zelda series, and stuff like that, and uh, that was really awesome, because I've never actually got to see him in person, so oh, it's wow. really cool just getting to see him, I'm 13 rows back, so <laughs> close and yet so far away, um, but that, that was really great, and then uh, Koji Kondo was also there too, and so was Aonuma, Eiji Aonuma. Uh, so all three of the guys were there, and, you know, they all had a, a little bit to say about Zelda and kind of, like, what it meant to them and um, what it meant to the fans and stuff like that with the 25 years um, anniversary coming up. And um, also, too, for, like, a, uh, I don't know, I guess, like a Master of Ceremonies type of thing, um, they had, like, two people coming out, some guy that I had never heard of, and then this Japanese idol um, named Shoko Nakagawa, and... I don't know, Scott, if you're too familiar with it, but on the 3DS eShop in Japan, and also on a lot of commercials for Zelda, like Ocarina of Time, there was this cute girl, as these Japanese idols are, and yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> they hired her to basically be in the commercials for Ocarina of Time 3D, and I guess she used to play it a lot, like when she was like younger and stuff, so she was always saying stuff like, oh my god, Link is so cute, and oh my god, his <laughs> nose is just so cute, oh man, just like kind of talking about like that, and you know, so she just, you know, in between the songs, her and that guy would come out, and they'd just talk about a bunch of stuff, and she'd just be like, blah, 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 Link's handsome, blah, blah, you know, kind of like that. <laughs> but, it, you know, it was interesting, and I think a lot of Zelda fans, well, especially the guys, <laughs> Japanese males, perhaps. Yeah. They were like, oh my god, it's Shoko Nakagawa. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. I wonder then if, if uh, keeping in tune with that, if here in America when they have the concerts, if like Robin Williams and his daughter Zelda then will be, oh god, be awesome. uh, talking in between songs since they hey. were in the, uh, the commercials here. Yeah, hey man, anything's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> so. But yeah, wow, that, that's... Um, that's pretty amazing, then. That's cool that they had all those people. I, I, I imagine that Miyamoto would make an appearance and stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't think he'll probably come out here. Mm-hmm. Maybe for the L.A. one that kind of kicks it all off, but mm-hmm. I doubt that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Reggie will just come out and talk. Which <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> might be even better, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it, while the songs were being played, did they have like big projectors or screens that were showing like art or anything from the games, or was it just strictly just the uh, just the music there? Just strictly the music in the symphony hall. I mean, it was a very very traditional symphony hall. So I mean, I, it, yeah, there was really no room for anything like that. Just you okay. know, the, the the musicians, and then up top they had like a balcony thing where they had an organ, you know, a huge organ, and actually during Ganondorf's theme. Uh, they had their organist. He had like this huge, awesome cape on, kind of like Ganon, like Ganondorf. Oh, wow. It was great. I mean, everyone's just like, yeah, just kind of like cheering when they saw him. Cause it's just really, <laughs> really cool. But, um, yeah, so that that was that was interesting and fun. <laughs> but uh, they actually, actually, also too, in the second half, Koji Kondo he came out again, um, and with the programs that we got, they have. Like, one page that has... Actually, I took a bunch of pictures, and it's up on the side, and you can actually check out a couple of pictures that I took from the outside of the venue and also of the 
of the program, which I think is a really, really beautiful program, just a lot of cool artwork and stuff like that. But during the show, he had kind of like a live kind of a thing where if you held up one side, it was like a dark, like black. That means like you want, you know, the composer or the conductor to change everything up to be like slow. Or if you hold up like this other side with like, it was green and had like the artwork for the 25th anniversary of all these links on there. If you held that up, that means you wanted the music to be kind of lively. And throughout, I, I think it might have been the Hyrule, um, the Hyrule Field piece. Uh, basically, if you hold it up, like, at certain times you'd be like, he had, like, a master sword, and he held it up in the air. And as soon as he did that, that's when you're supposed to, you know, make your choice um, oh, wow. as to what music you wanted to do. So that, that was a lot of fun. It was a really cool way to get the audience involved, especially in something where it's such a kind of like a, you know, it's kind of, it's not just like a, a some kind of a rock concert where people are jumping around and stuff like right. that. Right. It's very solemn and somber, I guess. And uh, so this is kind of a way to get people involved without people going crazy. So I thought that was really, right. really great. And that's kind of cool, too. Like, it ties in interaction, which in the end, I mean, these tracks are all from video games that, you know, that, that demand interaction. And exactly. Probably memories of them are tied to, you know, your own, like, personal actions within those games. So that's kind of... Uh, kind of a unique way uh, to get the the crowd involved exactly exactly um what was the response like i mean afterwards or even just during it from the crowd i mean was there just it was just a lot of excitement i mean i it sounds like it went off without a hitch so i'm sure everyone loved it oh yeah i mean there was a lot of excitement i mean i, I remember after they played the last track or what i thought was the last track uh you know the, Z- the zelda main menu theme everyone was not standing but geez man you could feel it like everyone just was just so pleased with what they just heard and they just wanted more and then, like, the lights all went out, and I, I noticed, like, the musicians were still up on the stage, and um, right. then I, I saw them doing something over on the side, and they were getting ready, a piano ready, and Koji Kondo came out, and he was playing some piece that wasn't Zelda, so he played that, and then after <laughs> that, then they just, the conductor came back out, and then they played, you know, the Skyward Sword theme, and that was awesome, so... And also at that point, too, <laughs> shortly before that, Miyamoto and Aonuma and then, you know, Kondo, they came back up and, you know, so they played that. And then that kind of gave them, you know, as everyone was applauding. And then the the, the guy in Shoko Nakagawa came back out. I think that kind of gave them a chance to get out before they would, <laughs> you know, get mobbed by all this right. stuff like that. So, <laughs> but, uh. That's awesome. So I guess overall, I mean, would for everyone here in the States who are going to get an opportunity coming up here to see it, I mean, you, it sounds like you would recommend it. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, if, if you have the means, go, go ahead and do it. It is absolutely amazing. For a Nintendo fan, for a Zelda fan, this is something that you will want to do. It's a once-in-a-lifetime type of thing, potentially, at least. So. <laughs> yeah, maybe to the, the 50th anniversary. <laughs> Yeah. And then it'll swing back by again. <laughs> awesome. Great. Well, I, did you have any closing thoughts, I guess? Or, I mean, have you, is that pretty much, uh, pretty much it? Or? I mean, that's pretty much it. Like I, like I just said, I mean, if you have a chance, go, because it is going to rock your world. Great. <laughs> I, I mean, even just hearing you talk about it, I'm, uh, I'm pretty pumped. I'm going to have to keep an eye out and see if it comes anywhere near me and uh, look into that. But um, awesome. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Danny, uh, for uh, staying up late. Hey, no <laughs> Jumping problem. On. My pleasure. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we'll be back in just a little bit.
3D Classics Twin B. Uh, that's the next 3D Classic. It once again fits into the category of I don't really know why this is that much of a classic. It actually never came out in North America. It's uh, by Konami. And um, it's actually kind of cool. It's super colorful. And James Dawson uh, just posted a review of it. So, James, what do you, what do you got to say about Twin B and what makes it so cool? Um, Really, the variety compared to uh, games like Xevious, it has a lot more to it. Uh, you have bells that give you power-ups. Uh, see, the, the enemies pretty much change every level. Yeah, like I like the ones that are just like the flying knives and look like there were forks that were coming after you too. It has a very like kind of like I guess surrealist vibe to it, almost like a, I forget what the Sega series is, Fantasy Zone, I think, where they yeah. have kind of weird enemies. Think it's so, refreshing. Yeah. I mean, it really stands out among shooters. You know, a lot of shooters kind of go the same way, but yeah. it's, it's different, which I like. Yeah, like I think like contrasting this with Xevious is a is pretty apt because. They're kind of similar in the way that, I mean, also the way they both use 3D, because uh, they both have the idea of, you know, you have the plane that the ship's on, and then you have the background, and then you can kind of drop bombs onto that background. And you can do that in both games, and I feel like, you know, Xevia seemed a lot more prettied up for the 3D Classic, as far as, you know, graphics and everything. But I think that Twinby works a lot better, mainly because of how colorful it is. And how, how much variety there is, because Xevious feels very repetitious. I, I mean, Twin is certainly a better game. I mean, I didn't buy Xevious as a 3D classic, but I've played it before, and it's like, this this is certainly a better game than that. Yeah. Well, I'm actually kind of surprised they even bothered with Xevious, since they're doing yeah, Twin It seems odd to do two such similar games for this. Though well, I, Nintendo's selections for the 3D yeah, classics have been it's It's been crazy. weird. I think Xevious is... Uh, I think it was one of the first 3D classics they even worked on, and I think that's one of the reasons why we saw that. Twin B probably came further down the line, so I don't think it was a, I don't think it was a, a conscious a, a conscious decision to pick both. Devious was at E3 last year, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it yeah, was that early. was uh, that was I think the first playable 3D classic, and part of the reason why I went with the line. Nope. Yeah, so that was early on. Yeah. Well, I know the uh, Twin B series is really popular in Japan. Yeah, I mean, it that's really probably a big reason here. why we saw a 3D Classic, in all honesty. Um, yep, but it's a, it's a really cool game. And, I mean, you, you brought up the bell mechanic, which is something that, when I first played it, I didn't really understand. But then I, I read the handy-dandy instruction manual, which kind of explains it succinctly. But basically, you have clouds that are in, in, in the background that you can shoot them, and then these bells will pop out. And you shoot these bells, and um, usually they're gold. And when you collect them when they're gold, uh, you get points. And if you collect them in, in gold, because it's kind of like uh, um, you're shooting at them, and if you don't shoot at them, they'll just fall past you or fall into you, and you'll get points. And if you don't let them fall into you, then you build up a lot of points when you get these gold bells. But you can shoot them into different colors. Like I think there's white, light blue, stuff like that. And you'll get power-ups, whether it's a speed increase or a better gun. And that just gives that kind of like you know you have to think while you while you just mindly or instead of mindlessly shooting you have to think because you need to you know you don't want to hit that bell so it just you know ends up turning into an enemy which is what they do if you shoot them too much but you want to hit it so you can get the the power up but then once you get it to the power up you don't want to shoot it again so it's it's a it's a nice it's a really like there's almost a strategic effort in there that I don't really see in many other shooters. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it adds depth to it that you, you wouldn't normally think of. Yeah. 
Um, speaking of the Bells, have uh, any of you tried for high scores yet? Um, I'm, I'm terrible at getting high scores. I have gotten, I believe, my, my highest score. I got over a million. I got to the end of like World 1-5 before I died because I, I had this super good run, and then I did a quick save and came back to it later and just basically dropped into it and got my shit wrecked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my highest score so far is 9,291,300. Damn, and I made it to stage two five. Okay. So. How many how many levels are there in a world? Is it five? I think it's just five. Okay, so yeah. damn. And then they really restart. The first world. I really like the bosses in the game too. Like they're they're pretty. They're like crazy with that without being like really overwhelming because usually I can tell what I have to do. You just need to shoot them. But they're yeah. they're all seem there seems to be a lot of variety with the bosses, whether or not they repeat, which I assume they might. Yeah, they repeat after uh, one five. Oh, okay. Uh, there's only one thing about the bosses. Um, once you get the, I think it's, it's the spreader. I yeah, forget the what it's shot. called. Yeah, you can really just stay there because the bosses don't come to the very end of the screen, so you can just stay there and shoot them, and you don't <laughs> have to move. Yeah, I mean sometimes you need to dodge bullets when they. Yeah, when that's, they, that's about it. But yeah, I, I do have. Uh, I made it through. I think two levels with the the spreader. Um, and just basically sat there and mowed down the boss. Yeah, the spreader and the shield combo are the best things. Yeah. Yeah, and I did notice that you also can, uh, I mean, in addition to the bells, if you, uh, you know, bomb, like, the, the stuff below you, then you can get, like, some kind of super fruit, which I think that's what gives you the spread gun. Yeah, it's it's a candy. I think it's super candy, actually. Yeah. I mean, everything's got to be super. But... I mean, this game is really cool. I just hope that in the in the future with the 3D classics, we actually see stuff that you know aren't shooters, or crap, or excite bike. It's probably not not that high of a compliment, but if you're gonna pick up one of the 3D classics, I think it's probably the best one so far. Yeah, uh, I would. There's no doubt in my mind that it is. I mean, I think Zebus is pretty good. I think excite bike is nostalgic and nothing more, and Urban Champions kind of crappy. Xevious is good, but it's not as good as this, and it's so similar. Yeah. There's really no point in buying it. Yep. I still, I will hold out hope that one of the next 3D classics, because I believe they made six in this first batch, and I don't know if they're going to make any more, but I think one of them, one of them will be Punch-Out. That's my prediction, and I really hope it's true. I would, I would kill for that. I remember writing a news story a while ago where Nintendo was very surprised at how hard it was to do one of these. So I I wouldn't expect any more than the six that they they said they were going to do. What do you guys think about bringing Donkey Kong? I don't know what 3D would add to it. I I, I could... um, You know how the 3D works in um, Urban Champion? Yeah. Where it's kind of turned a bit? Couldn't they do that with Donkey Kong? Yeah, I mean, that, that might be pretty novel. I mean, Donkey Kong is is a classic, and I think we can pretty much like curb any ideas of 3D classics of the 10 free NES games. So, I mean, that's why stuff like Punch Out and Donkey Kong, I think, you know, I feel like they would have been good candidates to come out as part of that that the 10 free NES games, and both of them weren't included. So, who knows? But anyway, uh, 3D Classic Twin B is available for 4.99 on the eShop. And if you're into shooters and you like 3D things, go ahead and pick it up.
So I think my favorite part of New York Comic Con is what it is at usually every kind of event like this. It's the Nintendo booth. Um, you know, there's always whatever marquee game they have. I mean, this extends to E3 as well. I mean, Jared, you would know, Jared Rosenberg, uh, having been to the same amount of E3s as I've been, that pretty much we just live at the Nintendo booth for, for three days. Uh, uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, Josh, unfortunately, um, Josh Max, NWR staff writer, um, he hasn't gotten to experience that, but this is—is is this your your second or your third New York Comic Con, Josh? I think this might be my fourth, actually. Oh, wow. wow! I think yeah, I know but... this is my third, and I've actually—I've never been to New York Comic Con not as press, which is kind of weird to think because it just worked out that the first one I could go to, that I finally like had the availability that I could go to it. I—I I, I think it was like two days before I got a press pass because <laughs> I didn't even think that I could because it was when I was—I was pretty green with NWR. Um, but yeah, the Nintendo booth at this one, there wasn't one the first time I went to New York Comic Con. They had one last year where they had everything, and, and this year they had even more. Um, and they had a bunch of events going on, too. They had a Professor Layton movie screening on Friday night that none of us attended, although we, we had the option, but we generally all kind of decided we'd rather wait till DVD. Um, apparently it was okay. I don't know. And I um, know um, Saturday they had a, a Pokemon event. What exactly was that? Yeah, it Josh, was, uh, did you go to that? No, I, I wasn't able to. Um, but what it, what I got from it was that it was just basically uh, a lot of Pokemon Rumble, uh, a lot of Pokemon trading, and pictures with a giant Pikachu. Cool. Yeah, I know it was like a block or two away from the convention. Um, they had shuttles going to that. They also had shuttles going to Nintendo World Store, which um, I guess is about probably something like 11, 11 plus blocks away from the Javits Center in New York. Yeah, um, it's it's not that far. It's it's right it's yeah. in, uh it's right by Thirty Rock. Yeah. Um, and uh, Skyward Sword was actually playable at the Nintendo World Store over the weekend. And I guess let's get uh, that. That was the big game that I would say was there. Yeah, that oh, has so huge yeah, so Skyward Sword. There there were lines for that consistently. You got a T-shirt if you got it. So I I rocked my T-shirt proudly. Um, because oh, I've played was... that demo a couple times already. And was that asshole who was just like, I'm only really waiting online so I can get the T-shirt. Um, but Josh, this was your first experience with it. Jared and I have been spoiled rotten by E3s and I've already played it before. What did you think? Uh, I thought it was amazing because I, I, uh, I was behind this guy who was doing the dungeon with his girlfriend and it was just like, he was, he was sucking so hard at it. Like it was just painful to watch. He had, he had no idea what the controls were. He wasn't listening to the guy. He was trying to give him, uh you know, tips. So I was just like, oh, I'm going to rock this. So when I got up there, I'm like, I'm just going straight for the boss battle because that's one of the best parts of the Zelda games are the boss battles. So when I got up there, oh, swinging that sword felt so right. It felt so good. I was so happy with it. I was so happy with how it looked. I was so happy with how it felt. I'm just so excited for that game. It looks it looks like it's going to be so much fun. I'm going to waste so much time with it. Yeah, I mean, I I really... I don't, I don't think there was ever really a point I was lukewarm while playing it, but it just, I guess there was, you know, the, kind of the build-up going to it. It seemed like there was there was a very slow build to all this Skyward Sword wonder that has come out over the past couple weeks and months. And at this point, like, I'm chomping at the bit to play this game. And really, like, I think the Motion Plus controls work wonderfully. It just, it just feels really good, and it feels familiar and different all at the same time. It feels it feels natural. It feels like you knew how to do this the whole time. Like yeah. just watching Link's sword in the same direction that yours is, like it just feels you could stab 
which is nice, I think. Because yeah. when I, I also played the dungeon level too, when that, that spider with the jewel on its chest stabbing that thing, no one else could figure that out. <laughs> you did it. Yeah. I did it. I'm I was the king of that booth for like twenty minutes total. Yeah, you uh you wrote a blog post for the site about that. Huh? You basically I, just kicked the crap out of that boss and people cheered. I loved it. I felt like I was king. <laughs> they should have given me a crown, but I got a t-shirt instead. Someone yeah. t-shirt t-shirts uh ju- you know just desserts. Yeah. yeah, not too bad. But yeah, so that's that's Zelda. I mean, that's can you believe it's we are a month away from Skyward Sword. That's scary. I'm I so excited. Like I think almost exactly. I think I think it might be like a little over four weeks. But right when we're recording this, yeah, today's October twentieth. We are. Exactly a month away. Oh. Um, by the time you hear this, guys, it'll be less than a month away. It'll be four weeks by the time you hear this, most likely. And that's, that's My just finals weird to are think. going to suffer so hard. Yeah. Uh, it's a good thing it's coming out right before Thanksgiving because, uh, well, actually, for, for me, I mean, I'm going to complain about this minorly, and I shouldn't because I won't be playing it during Thanksgiving because I'm on the review. That means that the week before Thanksgiving, I will be I will be a mess of like trying to cram however much uh, you know, gameplays packed into this into a short amount of time to get the review out, which, I mean, I've never really reviewed a game of this magnitude before, so I'm honestly kind of terrified. Um, yeah. I mean, if you don't want to, if you, you think it's too much, you don't want to take it. <laughs> nah, I, I think I can handle it. I think I can handle it, but, um... You, you handle so, black and white well. You'll do, you can take care of this. Yeah. Um... There was some other stuff. I mean, there was Pokemon Rumble was playable there, too. Um, I checked that out. I wrote impressions about it the other week uh, when Jared and I had a Nintendo event in New York City. And I have to say I came away kind of impressed. I actually have a pre-order down for it. Um, Zach Miller should be getting his hands on the review copy um, very soon. So you'll hear his thoughts about it probably on a future episode of Connectivity and also in words on the site. Uh, Did either of you guys check out Pokemon Rumble? And and what did you think? I, I did. Uh, I, I, I played it a little bit. Pretty, pretty good. I thought did it was pretty you, good. Did you guys play the WiiWare one at all? Uh, I, I played the no. WiiWare demo when that was released. Uh, so I, I definitely saw the... It's definitely really similar, the gameplay. Yeah. I just feel like it's one of those good portable games. Like, I did not... I was not a fan of the WiiWare game. I never played the full thing. I played the demo of it. But I i I just see this as a very good like kind of just pick up and screw around while watching t v game as opposed to the WiiWare one, which was you know I mean it takes up your t v we ain't playing on the Wii u yet, so yeah know, not yet. portable is the yeah i mean may, maybe that'll work maybe you can you know put put Pokemon Rumble on WiiWare onto your Wii u controller that'd but be cool who knows who knows well, one thing about uh, Rumble blast that I think's pretty awesome is the music um I, I'm really impressed by that, so I, I might have to pick it up just for that. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll sense. be completely honest. As as a Pokemon fanboy, I just Pokemon 3D. I I have to get on that. I have to. Yeah, it does look very nice too. Like, you already got the Pokedex. It, yeah. I yeah. I mean, I filled that up like as soon as I could. I'm still like trying to get all the Deerlings, like all the different <laughs> variations. Like I I just love this. I cannot get enough of this. Yeah, and it is the kind of thing that, like, you can get every fucking Pokemon in this game, and, and that, that kind of excites me. Because it's like, it almost seems like it's like Pokemon, but they took out the bullshit. It's just like, <laughs> instead of, like, going through towns and stuff, you're just gonna go through tunnels and, and tap a button, 
and you'll collect stuff. And as long as I mean, as long as they keep up that that good reward of like you keep on getting new Pokemon or at least like new versions of them and stuff, then that'll work because you'll keep on having that thing to go for. When it gets to the point where you're like, Ugh, I played through this boring, randomly generated dungeon and all I got was this lousy Pikachu, like that, then you then you got problems. You got you got to keep that up. Because, I mean, that's part of what I love about Pokemon, too, is, like, how I wonder what Pokemon are going to be in this next area. And once I get to the point where I've seen most of the Pokemon, that's usually when I stop playing Pokemon games. Are, are all the levels randomly generated? I think the majority of them are, if not all of them. Okay. I know in Pokemon Rumble they were, but I could be wrong, being as I, I've only played the demo. Well, I mean, I played the, the, the one they had at Comic-Con a few times, and I went to the same area on different games, and they were different. They just, oh, I mean, okay. what they're coming, I mean, sometimes it was just different Pokemon, but I mean, it was, I didn't, well, I couldn't just go the same way that I went the last time. So I don't know, maybe, maybe they were different areas and I was just stupid, but <laughs> I think they're randomly generated. All right. Uh, and I guess let's, uh, let's move on next to the Mario games. Um, I, I believe the Mario Kart seven demo, um, well, by the time you, by the time you hear this, I believe Aaron Klutzka should have new impressions on Mario Kart about stuff that, that is exciting and I can't talk about officially yet. And I don't know when the embargo is, so I'm not going to talk about it now, but it's going to be cool. Um, but I believe the Mario Kart demo that was there was slightly different than the one for me three. Um, I think you had more choices of cars and stuff to choose from, but I could be mistaken. Either way, I love that game and I can't wait for it. Possibly. It was definitely, it was the same levels from the E3 yeah. demo, that at least. But, uh, yeah, it's it's fun. The gliding, uh, which I was worried about originally, um, works, you know, perfect. So that that's going to be awesome. I really like the gliding. And the one thing that I that I have to note about the water is that I always feel like when I go into the water, I'm going to, like, have Lakitu come and pick me up. Because mm-hmm. like, I'm not supposed to do it. <laughs> so it's really unnerving. But well, Lakitu's so, so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it is. I mean, it it really came through. Like it gave it's given us everything we wanted from a Mario Kart game so far, except with more customization. Because now you can glide. You have gliders, and I'm like, I'll be completely honest. The, I just pick. I tried to make the car as cool looking as possible, which worked in the end, I think. But I, I'm just really, I'm really excited for it. I'm really excited to have monster truck wheels on a Yoshi egg with a giant like glider that has a, that has my insignia on it. <laughs> Um, and then Super Mario Land 3D, which or Super Mario 3D Land. I'm sorry, uh, that that's looking very good. I cannot wait for that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what, Josh? What were your thoughts since that that was the first time you've played it? Oh, uh, I mean, it was good. It was it was uh, kind of discombobulating at first because I had actually had to get used to the 3D. Like it was way more like I thought it was just a like a platformer in 3D but it's like there's different dimensions there's you can jump from one ship to another and that I had to get used to that first like I died like twice in a row before I beat the level and I mean it's nice though it's nice I'm excited to see what they do with it I mean it is Uh, the kind of thing where it's like it's a cross between 3D Mario's and 2D Mario's and that that's kind of neat I do have to say, as someone who I think has played more of that in 2D than most people demoing, um, it, it really is difficult to uh, judge the platform distances when it's not on 3D. Because it, yeah. if, if you watch the video I have on YouTube, you'll, you'll see I have some pro- problems with that. Um, so it's, you know, the 3D really does help. 
Is it, uh, that is cool. Um, any other Nintendo-made games that are at the Nintendo booth that you guys want to talk about? I, wa- I watched some people play Fortune Street for a few minutes. I, I, I'm actually... I played Fortune Street. The, I think what and... I like most about Fortune Street is when I went to talk to the people who were demoing Skylanders, and they were playing Fortune Street with the guys next to them because no one was there. No, because Fortune I Street, I played funny. that... I played that with uh, my photographer, and it took us half an hour to play a two-person game. And, and it's, yeah, yeah that's the thing is that, that so just long. demos terribly, but it's it's fucking Monopoly, and it actually looks like it's going to be kind of fun. But just like, oh no, it's not, really like, fun. It's it's really fun. It just takes forever. Like yeah, it's, well, I mean, it's it's kind of well, like it's like Mario Party esque <laughs> in that regard. It's Mario Party meets uh, Monopoly, which in in when you think about it, it sounds awesome. And when yeah. you play it, it's kind of awesome. Um, and I just can't, I just want to see more characters and a bigger board. And I just need to be able to sit down with like three friends for an hour and just go, okay, we're doing this. We can do this. All right, go. <laughs> um, what else was there? Uh, Kirby was there. Kirby's return to dreamland. Um, Definitely by by the time you hear that, that should be out. I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, that comes out on on October twenty fourth. I actually I've played pretty much. Well, I played the entire game, but as of right now, I can only talk about up to world five. It's a it's a Kirby game. I sound very nonplussed by it, and that's because I kind of am because it's just like it didn't wow me. It was just a Kirby game. It was fun, and I beat it. I'm done. Better than the sixty four <laughs> version. What you played? Um. Yeah, I mean, definitely, I mean, through the lens that it's a Kirby game, yeah, it's a better Kirby game than the 64 one. I think I have a little more nostalgia for the 64 one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's good enough. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's it's on par. Um, it might be better. I'm not entirely sure. I, I Although the, the multiplayer games in the 64 one are far superior. Like that... That fighting, like or like like the arena thing where that everything falls around it. That's aces in the '64 version. But on to new games. Also at the Nintendo booth, they had Skylanders for 3DS and Wii, um, and those games are dope as shit. So, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, Skylanders! Oh, I need to get it. <laughs> I I need to get it. It's very good. I gave you a stealth elf. Um, so hopefully I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. <laughs> I have. I, I still have some unopened boxes that are just around my desk right now. Like I'm picking up a, a Ruptor. I still need to check him out because I, I basically I used one of every element for the review, and then ones that looked cool. Although a Ruptor does look pretty cool, I should probably give him some love. But I want him. <laughs> I want them all. <laughs> I know, like, I, I still, I've resisted so far uh, going to Toys R Us for the buy two, get one free thing, um, and getting... Wait, th- that's thing. happening? Oh, th- yeah, right now, dude, them. if you go there, you could theoretically get, like, every fucking Skylanders toy for buy two, get one free, because they count in it. Oh my god, I don't even have the game yet, but I want it. Because <laughs> you could get, like, I mean, if you can find, like, like, a 360 or PS3 game that you want, you could get the 3DS version, the Wii version of Skylanders, and then... A like a new sixty dollar game for like one hundred and thirty bucks. <laughs> it's funny you think I have that much money. Yeah, I mean I don't. <laughs> it, it is a good deal though. Yeah. Value proposition wise, it's good. It's just it's still a lot of money. 
Let's see what else they had over at the Nintendo booth. They had Shinobi and uh, Sonic Generations, which I, I, I didn't get to play either of them. Did you guys get to play them? Um, I, I, I definitely did. I Sonic Generations. I, I'm so annoyed they, um, I guess uh, on Thursday was a press-only day, and uh, they had a, uh, a Sonic Generations demo with more lem- more levels, so um, yeah, it would have been the I first played. chance to try uh, Casino Night. Oh, were you there Thursday? Yeah. Oh, so you did you play Casino Night? Yeah. Oh, well, tell us about it, because I want to know that. I mean... I mean, it was just, it's really fun. It's just, it's a, it's a, it feels like a redone. I mean, I can't say for sure because I haven't played, you know, original, like the, the original Sonic in forever, but it has very much that feel. And I, I'm just trying to think about how to describe it. It felt so smooth. Like I wasn't, you know how like with the, with the latest Sonics, you got a little like, you, get, you can get frustrated really easily. That didn't really happen here. Everything just felt smooth, and it felt like you were completely in control, which is nice in a Sonic game, because you're moving so fast, and sometimes you just kind of, like, fly off the side of the stage. I mean, I don't know. Flashing lights, red and black, casino. Good, good. <laughs> I, they, they actually, I was just bringing that up, because they, they actually pulled that demo for some reason and put a different one in for the rest of the weekend. What was Wait, it, the really? one from E3? Um, no, it was... Uh, they put in, I think, the demo that was at a Gamescom, or a slightly oh, okay. updated Gamescom demo. But I, I guess they they didn't want people at the show playing uh, Casino Night or uh, Emerald Coast. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. kind of excited for that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like the, just, I mean, the concept of kind of having that old Sonic and the new Sonic. Although, it is getting to the point where it's like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me two through nine times shame on me um sonic has been fooling me for years but luckily I've, I've kind of finally gotten away i think i think sonic and the black knight was the first time i was like hey it might actually be fun this time i actually think sega's getting their act together with sonic um yeah. sonic I, colors i thought was awesome i thought sonic the ds colors version was great i thought mm-hmm. sonic colors on ds was was kind of crappy i, um, I, I, I haven't wii, played the wii, wii one i i kind of yeah. want to check out the wii version Weaver Check it out. Great. It's definitely worth your time. Um, and Sonic Generations, the 3DS game, is fun. Um, and the honestly, the console version is really awesome as well. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I haven't played the new demo, but I played the older demo. And, I mean, it, it was it handled better than Sonic 4 did for me. So, uh, If, if I can say just one me. thing about Sonic, uh, Sonic and the Black Knight ruined my childhood. Because I, childhood. That, is, Dude, that was like two years ago. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that was three years ago. I remember because it was my freshman year in college, and I got it. And uh, oh, so hey, it ruined it. your past memories. No, no, it ruined my childhood because up to that point, I'd never played a bad Sonic game. I even oh. like Super Sonic Racing, and I played that game, and it I, it turned me off of Sonic for like a year and a half. Like I I didn't pick up Secret Rings. I didn't pick up like. Sonic the Hedgehog for Xbox. I didn't pick up any of that. Because well, that was, was a good, so good decision. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, um, yeah I think I, what, obviously. Let, let's let's have a little interstitial here. When was Sonic ruined for you? I, I I need to think about this. So for for Josh, it was it was early two thousand nine. For me, I think it was Sonic Heroes. Oh, it was Sonic Heroes for me as well. Because I actually, really? I mean, I still stand by. I think Adventure and Adventure Two, not not amazing games, but you know, good games. Like, I mean, I've. I've never beaten Advent- I've never gotten all the way through Adventure, but I've beaten Sonic Adventure 2, and it's not like, you know... I mean, there's frustrating parts of that game, but there's also good parts of that game. 
Mm-hmm. No, Sonic Adventure Battle 2 was great. And Sonic, Sonic Heroes was okay. And I said that's only because I love playing as Team Chaotix. Like, I yeah. just played it as them, like, 18 times over. And, because their, their levels were fun and interesting, and I, I really enjoyed it. And, I mean, everyone else is just kind of annoying. But I, I played Sonic Heroes enough to actually completely beat the game. I like Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure Battle 2. They were both really entertaining. There was the gun truck. There was uh, City yeah. Escape. There was the, even though the biohazard was a brontosaurus with warts, I mean. That was pretty cool, uh, I thought. <laughs> the space battle was cool, but I didn't, I just thought. The like, warted okay, brontosaurus. Yeah, exactly. Um, and when um, you know, and then Shadow what was, was Super Saiyan, I, I didn't mind Sonic and the Secret Rings. Um, Unleashed and Black Knight were were awful. Um, Unleashed, awful. I mean, the uh, you know the the uh, the non Weirhog levels are good, or at least sort they were of just fun. so few and far between. Yeah, I mean, just oh, the Weirhog yeah. levels took so long. Yeah, I mean that that's what killed it for me is that they they took forever. There were many times where, like, I mean, I was re- I, I reviewed that for the site, gave it, a, I think, like, a four or something like that. But there were a few times where I just, like, threw the controller down and was like, I can't fucking play this game anymore. This is terrible. And I'd get to a Sonic level and be like, oh, this isn't that bad. And I'd get back to a Werehog level and be like, ugh! But, anyway, Shinobi. Um, <laughs> anyone check that out? I, I did play Shinobi. Um, I think the, the demo they had on the show floor, I, I um... Might have actually been the full game. I I didn't get to play enough to actually find out, but it it never ended. Um, but uh, if if you like the original Shinobi games on uh you know on Genesis, or um, if you were a big fan of Ninja Gaiden on NES, um, the game, then you, you you should really check out this game because it's a lot of fun. Um, you know you get you have a, I guess you have a. Not a sword, or I guess it is a sword, so you can slice up all the guys. It's 2D yeah. side-scrolling. Yeah, like too, mm-hmm. or however you pronounce that. It's uh, it's actually got a lot of really crazy platforming. Um, I would yeah. say it's really difficult. Uh, not now, not really difficult, but it's challenge. Yeah. Is it is it level-based, or is it, like, Metroidvania? No, no, it's it's level-based, so okay. it's sticking to the roots. Um, okay. Because so got... Kryptonite made the, I mean, at least in my opinion, mediocre Spider-Man Metroidvania games. But, mm-hmm. I mean, when I played this at E3, it was just the E3 demo. And I enjoyed what I played, but it was, I mean, obviously it was a small small slice of it. Um, but uh, it seems cool. It, it has, you know, regular levels that you would expect in something like the original Shinobi or Ninja Gaiden. And then it, it actually has, uh, like, I guess, bonus levels to, like, switch things up where... Uh, uh, the two levels I saw was one where you were riding on a horse, and uh, I guess, and you pretty much would just have to d- jump over obstacles and avoid trees, and uh, like, you played it, it, it had like a cool side angle, so it looked really nice in 3D, and then uh, they also had a level where you're you're on these uh, driving cars, and uh, you would have to uh, shoot, uh, not shoot, I guess you would throw throwing stars at cars that would, like, appear on your sides, and, like, when you threw the stars, that would make the cars, like, crash, and then they would explode. It, it almost looks like the level, if you uh, remember in uh, Turtles in Time on uh, Super Nintendo, um, <laughs> y- you know the stage where it's, like, set in the future and you're, and you're on the hoverboards? Yeah. yeah. It, it's it's sort of like awesome. that, except you're on cars. 
and you can't. It, it's a, a little bit like that, but it, it was actually a really cool stage. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that just about does it for what's at the Nintendo booth. Um, there wasn't a whole hell of a lot else. I mean, Nintendo-wise, there was an announcement of the Amazing Spider-Man, um, the video game based off the upcoming movie. It apparently, takes place after the events of the movie. It's being developed by Beanox, and apparently, the way it worked is that there was a uh, there was one team at Beanox that made Shattered Dimensions and then Edge of Time, and then there was a completely other team just working on this game the entire time. It's going to be open world. They didn't confirm systems. Um, and I, I mean, I would assume it's it's going to come out for Wii, and it seems like the way Beanox operates is that the Wii version will be the same as the 360 and PS3 version. Um, and I guess depending on when Wii U comes out, we'll we'll see if it's going to come out for that too. But they were kind of coy on on any hard details, other than that's an open world game, and it looks like it might be pretty awesome. I, I, you know, I was a big fan of Spider-Man 2 on uh, GameCube, so if they can make something like that, then it should be good. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then moving on, you guys had an actual appointment with Capcom for Resident Evil Revelations. I ended up, Oh, yeah. Uh, I replayed that demo. Um, it's the same one as the E3 demo, which was a really, really good demo, and I remain continually excited for that game. I'm excited that it actually has a firm release date of February 7th, 2012. And I find it kind of interesting that you guys, well, you guys got this awesome scoop about uh, the, the, I guess the the slider pad or the, the circle, circle pad, pad yep. mm-hmm. the circular pad. I don't know <laughs> what to call it. Um, but that will be out by the time Revelations hits stores and this will be compatible with it. They they weren't willing to tell us whether it's going to be like a bundle or if it's going to be sold separately, but uh, it's cool to know it's coming to America. I'm uh, excited but, uh, for it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I really am. I mean, it like like they said in the interview, they're they're going back to uh, survival horror, and you know, I'm a huge fan of of Amnesia: Dark Descent, and oh, yeah. that's that scared the ever loving crap out of me. And it sounds like they're trying to go. For something like that, where it's not necessarily about you know killing zombies, but it's more about surviving and getting out of there and, and finding yeah. your partner. And I don't know. I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited about that. There's too many like Dead Space or Doom where you just where the like everyone's fighting for screen time. Everyone just the zombies just need to come at you. And I mean that's cool and that's nice. But it's like I I already played Left for Dead. I'm good. I I want to be afraid again. <laughs> And in this game, they're doing that. Like, they're not giving you infinite ammo. They're only giving you so much ammo that yeah. you have enough to survive. And it's, I like that. I think it's I think it's going to be really fun. Both times I've played this demo, it's been a struggle to get to the end. And this time I actually died. Um, and the first time, well, I think the first time I may have just been like, well, I'm screwed. I don't have any ammo. <laughs> and left. <laughs> One uh, thing I, mean, I there, know. There's, mm-hmm. There is tension in this game. And this is where I think the 3D really befits it. You're like you throw on headphones, you sit down with this game, put it in the 3D, and you are you are in Resident Evil, man. You are on that fucking boat. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like there's, it is, it immerses you. Yep. Which is Best great. Graphics I on love the system. that. Yeah. Easily. Dance yeah, of Resident Evil Revelations looks good. Um, another game that I think looks good, at least from what I played of it, I actually played multiplayer of uh, Heroes of Ruin. Um. Me and uh, uh, he contributed photos for us. If you saw our cosplay and other stuff roundup, um, Billy Brown, uh, Josh, and I both know him from from school. And uh, 
Billy and I played probably about 15, 20 minutes of Heroes of Ruin, but it, it was a demo version, so we, we ran into a little bugs in co-op. But for the most part, it was a lot of fun. You know, we were just going around killing stuff, like all Diablo-esque and, stu- and, and shit. And that's a, you know, four-player and everything, and I think that game looks really good, and that's the kind of game I could see myself, kind of like Pokemon Rumble, just playing a lot of while I'm watching TV, because it seems like it's that, that kind of game. Yeah, I played a little bit. It it was fun, and uh, I think it's cool that it's going to have online play. Not enough uh, 3DS stuff is going to have that. Yeah. So, and it has a bunch of Street Pass and Spot Pass stuff too. It's it's going to be real cool. Although it did get delayed, it was supposed to be early 2012. Now it's just kind of like 2012. Yeah, I think I think I think what they said is like it's looking like more like middle of 2012 as opposed to to early. But definitely something to look forward to. Yeah. And the last thing that was there that was relevant is Punch Time, or I guess Cartoon Network Punch Time Explosion XL. Ah! Which, uh, so excited! Oh, oh, all right, Josh, you, you carry this. What just happened? You did write the oh, all right. after all. I mean, I loved it. Even though I played it for the Xbox 360, uh, I mean, the controls are I mean, pretty much the same as they would be on the, on the, on the 3DS. You know, there's A, A B, X, Y, L, R's. Um, I, and it was, it was really, it was just really good. I, uh, I, I really enjoyed myself. Uh, there was, it, it just blew my mind how they listened to the fans and they brought every single person that we wanted to the, to the stage. They got Johnny Bravo, they got Haz Delgado, Captain Planet's still there, they got, uh, him, they just they they have so many people that that everyone wanted to see, and they have the like something that that they improved upon, like that that Smash Brothers didn't do, is with the support characters. There's certain support characters that are like do amazing things, like like with Johnny Bravo meets Dracula from Grim Adventures of Billy Mandy. They have a dance party, and there's like <laughs> yeah, there's really the obscure like exactly. <laughs> and I mean, I, I just I'm so excited to see like who Captain Planet teams up with, or who Bubbles like is going to team up with. Like if, if Bubbles is going to team up with like Courage the Cowardly Dog, or something like that. And I think that has the potential to be something amazing. Like it just gives me more reason to keep playing more and more and more and more and more, uh, more so than than the original. Because there's just when with an arcade mode, they're just giving more to everything that, that the fans wanted. That, and they, that if, is as long yeah, as long as they clean up the controls a bit, I think it could be the next like I could be the next great game. Like it could it could be something like it could be a three DS classic. Well I mean it's coming to Wii. <laughs> oh it oh yeah it is. Oh my god, I'm so sorry <laughs> this about this version that. <laughs> coming to Wii. The three D S game already came out. I don't think yeah, this version is coming is out, out. Oh yeah. God. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry about that. I completely blanked. Uh I mean, actually, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they re-release this for the 3DS. I I I mean that I think that would make people really annoyed who own the 3DS game. I yeah. maybe maybe if they make unless they added edition. online play. Yeah, oh, that's the did. only reason. That, I mean, Ultimate Marvel versus I mean Marvel Marvel yeah Marvel Capcom gets away with it, but they are Capcom and they are special. Yeah, but then but then again, they they added like Phoenix Wright, and that's enough. That's that's the reason why I might actually buy an Xbox, and I might yeah. actually buy the game is to see Phoenix Wright in a fighting game. Just like yeah, you know, I was like, I was they... watching. I saw the video for it, and then I saw someone pick him while while I was walking around the show floor, 
And I watched it, but the person had no idea what they were doing, unfortunately. I was like, come on, throw an objection. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, but, it, I mean, like, they, they did that with this game. Like, they added characters that everyone wanted to see. So, in all honesty, like, I, I mean, if they re-released it for 3DS, I might I might actually consider re-getting it, especially if there's online play for the 3DS. Because I don't, I, I think that, I, I want a fighting game I can do that with, with Johnny Bravo. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, I mean, it's like, it's like Smash Brothers. And there's not really a lot of fighting games that are just like Smash Brothers. Although I'm yeah. still holding out. I want to see Adventure Time and regular show folks show up in that game. Yeah. Oh my god, I'd love to see Finn and Jake go at it. Maybe, I mean, maybe bring me- after how much love, after how much love Adventure Time was getting at uh, Comic Con, you would think it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. It's just I'm not sure if it's owned by uh, Turner Broadcasting is the thing. That's that was why they have Captain Planet and they don't have some other shows. It's just who Turner owns. Yeah. Same thing with normal. I mean, it's also because I think show. a lot of the stuff that Cartoon Network has, um, they are like individual um, licenses. So like where they so they have to negotiate it with each creator, which I think is what makes it a pain. Yeah, I mean they they most of the stuff in there they created and own the rights. I think, but yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what ever happened to Adventure Time. Was that also on like Nickelodeon for a while? Maybe I'm wrong. I, I just got into Adventure Time like a month ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, that silence kind of says that we don't really have too much else to say. I mean, <laughs> I enjoyed my time at New York Comic Con. It was a little brief. Um, but, I mean, it was a, it was a good show. They, they had a lot of stuff there. Um, yeah. I just want to play the games that I saw there now, like Zelda. And I want to play more Skylanders, so maybe I'll go do that.